Welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this program, also the president and founder of the Coming Home Network International. This is part two of a two-part series on keeping our kids Catholic. In the first episode, which if you haven't listened to, please go to chnetwork.org and you'll find a link to part one in which John Mark, my oldest son, and I uh, talked about the seven essential things that we need to do to do everything possible to make sure that our children catch the vision for being good Catholics and that they'll stay Catholic for the rest of their lives. And we began last week, and uh, now we'll pick up where we left off. And I suppose the reason this fits into a deep in Scripture episode is because, as I mentioned last week, the whole large idea is that there's a memorable verse which you ought to memorize and think about and also reflect on the promises of Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So sit back and relax and listen to part two of Keeping Our Kids Catholic. Welcome back to part two of our presentation on Keeping Our Kids Catholic. I'm Marcus Grodi, the president and founder of the Coming Home Network International. I'm joined by my oldest son, John Mark, who's the chief operating officer of the Coming Home Network. We we began this uh, discussion in part one. We covered the first three steps of what we must do to keep our kids Catholic in part one. We've got to make sure we're Christians, mm-hmm. number one, as parents. Number two, we've got to make sure we've done all we can by grace to be good Catholic Christians. And then thirdly, open to life mm-hmm. so that we have children and that we're parents, mm-hmm. you know, and so we're channels of God's grace. All right. So here we sit. Christians, number two, Catholic Christians. We've got kids, mm-hmm. both of us. So what do we do, number four, to make sure that our kids are Catholic? Yeah. Number four, we got to make sure that our children are Christians. Now, this is essential. Mm-hmm. You may have thought that I'd begin with the Catholic thing first. <laughs> a Christian, that's what the Catholic thing's all about. Mm-hmm. And it goes back, first of all, to everything we said about ourselves. Right. The question is, how do we... How do we help our children grow in those very things that we need to grow in. Mm -hmm. We can't force it on them. Um, We can't take it for granted that just because we've put our children on the conveyor belt of the local church, Mm -hmm. that they're going to come to know Jesus. Um, And for that, we, we... I mean, in the same sense, we'll use this for the next point, mm-hmm. but the church teaches John Paul II, St. John Paul II, emphasize over and over and over again that parents are the primary educators of their children. Right. And so in that sense, we can't just presume that the sister or the priest or the Christian educator, all these good faithful folk are going to make sure that our children come to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that happens. And that also means that we've got to be careful that we not only focus on Catholic things, Catholic rituals, Catholic devotions, as as great as they are, 
we need to make sure that they learn to understand that at the core of all those things mm-hmm. is Jesus. Right. And there's, you know, there's even historical precedent to this. If you look at the early church, if you look at the Didache and how, how the early church evangelized people, you know, there was a particular order that they imparted the faith with. They didn't, they didn't start a new convert in on, on, on all, the, all the creeds and all the mysteries. And even the Eucharist was kept more close to, the, to, their, to their, their hearts. They would, they would start by fully evangelizing people. Do you know Jesus? Do you accept Jesus? It's funny because we, yeah. we, we almost have a, a bit of a resurgence of that in the way that Christianity has developed in the, since the Reformation, the sense that we have outside the church, we have theologies that are, are very minimalist in the sense that a lot of the Catholic stuff has been thrown out. But what they have left is the simple evangelization of, do you know Jesus? And the thing is, that's, that's an important piece. That's the first piece. Now, it's, it's not the whole thing. You can't leave people there. But you do have to start by making sure that you are a child of God and you, like me, like all of us, are, are, are a sinner. But we can be saved from our sin through trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus? Will you give your life to Jesus? We have to start there. And of course, this, this gets back into why that first point is so important that you can talk the best game in the world about that. But if you yourself are not a Christian, if you yourself do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your kids will know that and they'll see that, and your words will fall on deaf ears. Yeah, you mentioned that as a result of the Reformation, our separated brethren pretty much cut through and threw away a lot of the things that were distinctively Catholic and emphasized the relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, sadly, as a part of that, the Catholic response was, in some sense, to emphasize the other. Mm-hmm. And so that's why many Catholics don't think it's about a personal relationship with Jesus. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I, earlier in the last episode, I read that quote from Adjentus, which says that um, evangelization, missionary work is about calling people to enter into a personal relationship with him in Christ. Right. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really about, we want that for our children. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, another thing that I would say that we got to be careful of, um, in other words, you don't take it for granted. We've got to make sure that we talk to them about Christ. From the time they're as small as they can be, they should hear stories about Christ. They should hear the gospel stories about Christ. They should learn, memorize Scripture about our Lord and what He teaches. Um, they, um, and so when we, we, when we are eventually teaching them Catholic things, we've got to help them see that Our Lady points to Jesus. Mm-hmm. The reason we recognize Our Lady, she's the mother of Jesus. Uh, the reason we know anything about Our Lady is because an angel came to her and asked her to be the mother of Jesus. I mean, that, that's, that's all about our Lord Jesus. Um, but we also got to be careful when we're with our children that we don't just focus on problems in the church. And we're living at a time when it's hard to not turn on the news when there isn't something that points out a flaw in the church. Of course, the devil wants us to see all that. But we need to be careful, as you mentioned, that it's one thing to give them the message about the Lord, but what do they see in us and what do they hear from us? Right. If, our, if, if, if we are caught up in the cares of the world, and even if it's the cares of, again, the, the problems in the church, the things that have to be figured out, that we have to be praying about, but if we've lost our peace over that, then again, the example that we've given is that Christ and our trust in him and our love for him is not is still not the center of our heart. It's, it's on these other things. That has to remain the rock-solid center, and they have to see that in our in our demeanor, in the way that we focus, the way that we talk. 
Oh, I've written here in part of the outline, John, yeah. about closing the sale. Mm -hmm. How do you understand the importance of that as parents with our kids? Yeah. Why do we have to close the sale? Why do we have to close the sale? If we don't close the sale, somebody else will. Ah, I see. I see. If we don't close the sale, somebody else will. Mm. And, you know, when we bemoan the fact that our children are leaving the church and then they found Jesus. Mm. Listen. We rejoice. We need to rejoice. I remember Ben Rochelle yeah. saying this very thing when, when a Catholic had talked about their kids leaving the church and then they found Jesus out there. And Ben Rochelle says, You rejoice. They, they found, found Christ. Yep. 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 Praise God they found Jesus. Mm -hmm. But they should have found him here. That's why we have to close the sale. We need to talk to them about Christ. Mm -hmm. We need to talk to them, as we mentioned in the last episode, that really the bottom line is mm -hmm. in a relationship with Christ is. Coming to that point by grace of saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. What do you want of me? I'm yours. We want to make sure we've done all we can that our children come to that yeah. by grace in their heart. Our children and our other family members and our fellow parishioners. You know, I think one of the reasons I like this point, and I, you, you've used the phrase before, closing the sale, is because, again, it, it's, it's easy to get into a culture, even at our parish levels, where we make this assumption that other people are there, they've got it, and we don't want to bring it up. You know, like we wouldn't want to ever presume that someone else doesn't know Jesus. But then we get into this, of course, this, this problem where everybody assumes that about everybody. But there are people in your parish that no one has ever taken aside and said, you know, beyond and behind and underneath all this stuff, do you know Jesus? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know that he came, he came to die for you? And that you can get to know him in prayer and that you can come to know him in the Eucharist? And that, that's what all this is about. And we never get around to doing that when that's the core, you know, and that's why people leave. That's why they, that's why they miss. That's why in the end, all the Catholic stuff can merely be stuff if they haven't met Jesus Christ. I've got a book on my shelf of the conversion stories of 20 nuns who left their calling, left Catholic and became Protestant. It's their conversion stories and becoming Protestant. Mm -hmm. And when you read their stories in almost every single case, for whatever reason, they found Jesus. In fact, part of it was for reading Scripture the very first time, which is bizarre because they're reading Liturgy of the Hours, they're going to Mass every day. How is it they did that and didn't encounter Christ? Mm -hmm. And that's something to think about, to take that seriously, to think, is it possible ourselves as well as our kids to go through all the hoops of the church, to become in the regular rituals, mm -hmm. to go through all the confirmation classes, to, to get confirmed, and yet not experience a surrender to Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting. It's analogous to other things in life that are the most foundational, the most important, but that become hard to say. You know, like, I love you. You know, we can get caught up in day-to-day -day life and busyness and all this stuff and parenting and managing and discipline, all that kind of stuff. And if we're not, if we're not actively working at building those relationships in our life, we can leave off the assumed, underlying, most important things that, that we just take for granted. You know that I love you. No, we have to say it. And just like in the same way, we have to make sure that our kids, you know Jesus. You know that he loves you. You know that, uh, that he, he came and died for you. We have to close the sale. Yeah, and as you all emphasize so often in our work that our whole Coming Home Network is about telling stories mm -hmm. that a lot of Catholics will say, well, what am I going to say about Jesus? Uh, you know, I'm not a, 
I'm not an apologist. I'm not a theologian. I'm not an academic. What do, I don't even know where to turn in my Bible. You know, uh, what, what, how do I do? You tell them about your relationship, your experience with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Tell the story. Tell your story. I mean, imagine yourself sitting outside a bonfire some night. You know, you're watching the stars. You're sitting out there with your kids. You're roasting marshmallows. You're mm -hmm. sitting back. And you say, kids, can I talk to you for a little bit? I want to talk to you about the most important person in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's my Savior, Jesus Christ. Tell that to your kids. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, you can't do it without getting teary-eyed <laughs> because of what he's done in your life. Because it's, it's all grace. It's all grace. It's all a gift. And we want that for them. So the, what do we do practically? We've just talked about a bunch of practical things on what to do to help our kids become. Talk about Jesus. Read about Jesus yourself. Constantly get to know. Every time you read the, the stories of Christ, you'll get ideas on how to share that with kids. Mm -hmm. Tell your story to your kids. And I, it's, you know, obviously, you know what the next step is. But to, but to pick a piece out of the next step that I think is in important for this one is our, our wonderful gift uh, in the Catholic Church, especially the Catholic Church today, is that we have access to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, not just in Mass, but in the Tabernacle, in the Adoration Chapel. We can go be in the presence of Jesus, and we, with our very bodies, can show our, our children through, through our gestures, through our reverence, we can show our children what we believe uh, about Jesus and how we, how we approach Him. And if, if we want to make sure we mention Our Lady. You know, when we teach our kids about our Lord Jesus, we help them, them understand that his mother is our mother. Hey, if, if our Lord Jesus is calling us to obey the commandments, mm -hmm. then our Lord Jesus is going to be the most perfect, obedient uh, follower of the Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. which is honor your mother and your, fa your father and your mother. Our Lord does that. He's our brother. He points to our... Mary, yeah. therefore, as our common mother, if mm -hmm. you will, we help our children understand that. Mm -hmm. That because through our Lord Jesus, she is their mother too. Mm -hmm. And that she points to him. We need to help them understand the right balance of that. Mm -hmm. That we don't, we don't worship our lady. Mm -hmm. You know, we have devotion to her. She prays for us. Mm -hmm. And when we pray the rosary, of course, we're asking her to pray for our children. All right. Okay. We're Christians. Mm -hmm. We're Catholic Christians. We've got kids. We've done all we can by grace to make sure our children are Christian. Mm -hmm. Step five, you might anticipate, <laughs> is that we do all we can to make sure that they're Catholic mm -hmm. Christians. Does that make a difference? I mean, as long as they're Christians, as long as they got Jesus, what difference does it make whether they're Catholic or not? Right. Yeah. And again, we 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 already dug into this in our last in our well, two videos ago, and then, and then in our last video, in, in focusing on our need to be, you know, fully evangelized Christians, Catholic Christians, we need to have the sacraments, we need to have the fullness, and our kids need that too, you know. And again, we this this is the, the connection with the first one. They have to see it that it's important in our lives. They have to see that it makes a difference in our lives. Um, but then we also know that again, we have the church and we have the sacraments. We have the whole package because we need that, you know, in order to live out this faith that we have in Christ, and our kids need that too. And so that, that whole process um, of, of teaching the faith, teaching the catechism, teaching them, you know, the, the full picture of what it means to be a Christian, and then to, you know, to, uh, to bring them through the sacramental process, you know, baptism at the start, and then the other sacraments of initiation, particularly that, uh, that First Holy Communion, 
you know, entering in that that uh, that normal means of abiding in Christ, which is the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. Um, it's it's absolutely essential. You know, we in today in the world we live, especially in America, uh, when if you go to any any intersection in any big city where there's a lot of churches, you'll see a Methodist church, a Presbyterian church, Episcopal church, Assembly of God church, and a Catholic church. And as far as you're con we're concerned in America, they all look equally as old. Mm -hmm. And the buildings look equally as sound. So it's easy for us to think that the Catholic perspective is just one of many. Mm -hmm. And our, our emphasis on being a Catholic is just because we're Catholics. And if we were a Presbyterian over here, as I used to be, you know, whether it's a Presbyterian angle, the Lutheran angle. And just recently, we had the beatification of John Henry Newman. And if you've listened to anything that we've done in the Coming Home Network all these years of the Journey Home Program, we emphasize that statement by Newman, which comes from the introduction to his essay on development doctrine, in which he confesses for himself that to become deep in history is to cease to be Protestant. And that was a, kind of an overview of why he became Catholic and he began with recognizing that if you, the deeper you dig into the history of the church, you find out it wasn't Protestant. Mm. The deeper you dig into the early days of the church, you realize that it was the heretics, Arius and others, who were in fact the Bible alone folk, if you will, taking a stand against the tradition of the church. So it's not that we're looking back and saying the best way to make sure your kids stay Christian is that they stay Catholic. That's not the reason. It's because from the very beginning, to be a Christian was to be Catholic. Right. Our Lord established the church. Our Lord established a foundation for the apostolic succession when he chose his apostles and he commanded them to go forth and proclaim the, to proclaim the gospel, make disciples of all nations. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, 2, he, Paul tells Timothy to appoint others who can appoint others who can appoint others. We have this apostolic succession. Our Lord said in Matthew 16 when he establishes Peter as the rock of the church. And so we have the disciples surrounded by Peter as the hierarchy of the church. This is all the beginning of the church. So if you want to be a Christian, it, the Catholic stuff isn't an add-on. Hmm. It is the foundation. So we need to have that for ourselves, but we need to make sure that our children discover that very thing so that they know from the earliest days of their life that this Catholic thing isn't just one of many, but this is truly what it means to be a Christian. So that when we teach them the rosary, mm -hmm. we help them understand it's about our Lord Jesus as Our Lady experiences the life of Christ. Mm -hmm. And we're brought into that. When we go to the sacraments, we understand that the graces we receive there are so that we can be obedient to our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. You know, so that the church can make sure that how we understand Christ, how we understand how we are to live, understand what it means to believe, we want our children to, to catch that. Mm -hmm. So that when they are, at the point of this, is so that when they're challenged in their public school or in their neighborhood, or as they go away to college, that the foundation of their Christian faith is not just, well, I, I'm a Christian, I happen to be Catholic, is that their Catholicism is the foundation for their Christian faith. Yeah, and I feel like this this part of the discussion too, along with that, is a, is a good place to, to, well, to talk about the fact that we also need, you know, for our for our children to be Christian and for them to be Catholic, we also need the support of not just our family but of the community around us. You know, there's a place, you know, where there need we need to have other parents who are trying to keep their kids Catholic yeah. too, who are going through these steps. We need other parents who are indeed Christians 
you know, that our children can see and see, oh, they too have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just my crazy parents who, who you know, have this all in their head. This, this, is a, this is a thing. This is, a, you know, this is part of the community. This is part of the church that we're in. And again, you know, in, even in the Catholic Church, you know, there's all sorts of people in the church. The church admits sinners like me. But that means that we also need to, like, select our, our, our community appropriately. We, we do need to find, you know, other families that can support us in trying to keep our kids Catholic. People that we want our children to look up to as examples. And so building that community, and it's difficult today. There's so many reasons in the modern world that it's difficult to have and to build community. And that takes a lot of work, and that's, man, that's another topic for another time. But we need to, to build that in the ways that we can for the sake of our family. Yeah, we began the talk by quoting Pope Benedict's mm-hmm. when he talked about the barriers to evangelization. And the third one that he mentioned was individualism. Right. And we just take that for granted, yeah. in, in, even in our faith. And mm-hmm. so we've got, we've got to recognize that that's kind of our, our normal way of understanding life is the individualism we have in this culture, in mm-hmm. this country. And that we recognize that, no, that... Through baptism, we become a part of the body. Mm-hmm. We're not just born again as individuals. We're born again into a family mm-hmm. and uh, helping our children understand the necessity of that so that when, when they do go forth, they are never alone. They're always a part, not just of our family, mm-hmm. but of the church. Right. Okay. So we got two more points to do, and we're going to do that kind of quickly. Yeah. So number one. First thing to do to make sure our kid are Catholic is make sure we're Christian. Yeah. Number two, to make sure we're good Catholic Christians, we understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Number three, that we have kids. Right. Number four, all right, given the aid of grace, we've done everything we can to make sure that our children know Jesus Christ. Yeah. And number five, that we recognize that they understand that means being a part of the family, the Catholic Church, the graces of the Catholic Church. All right, so given all that, Number six, okay, now what do we do to make sure they stay Catholic for the rest of their life? Number six, you can't. You can't. Recognize that we have to let them go. We can't, of course, force our children. Mm -hmm. I didn't force you to be a Catholic or even a Christian, Mm -hmm. even though you were a pastor's kid. Mm All I could do as a was follow the instructions of Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We believe in that. Mm-hmm. Scripture teaches us that. So we do all we can to make sure we plant the seeds, and then there comes a time when we have to let them go. Yeah. But the, the most important, the point of this point mm-hmm. is that you don't let them go without prayer. That becomes maybe the most important part of all six of the points that we've mentioned so far. Yeah. You know, and prayer, again, prayer means that we, going back to the beginning, that we're surrendering surrendering to Christ and asking him what he wants us to do. We're also relying on him to bring about the fruits of our actions. You know, anything that we do in life, to some degree, we're simply responsible for being faithful, but we can't see the outcome. We can't see where it's going to go. We can't see all the effects you know, we can't see three steps into the future. God sees that. So our responsibility is to show up and to simply be faithful in what he's given us. But in everything we do in life, the outcome, the ultimate fruit of it is in God's hands. 
And I think, you know, the, this, this point is a little tongue-in-cheek, but the more you dig into it, the more practical it is. Because if you try to make someone be Catholic, if you try to force someone, if you try to hold on to someone too tight in any part of your life, if you try to control the outcome too much, you've ceased to trust God. You've ceased to, to trust his providence. And so by, by recognizing there's a time to let go, uh, and to to rely on prayer means that I, I have done faithfully what you've asked of me, Lord, and now I give them to you. And I rely on you to, to give them the grace to bring about the fruit from those seeds that have been planted. Yeah, the fact that you're sitting here, you know, kind of is interesting here because your mother and I were far from perfect parents. And I was a pastor, and of course I came into the church, and all of a sudden I'm a public figure. And so I have the, all these roles that I'm playing besides trying to be a farmer. And so, you know, in a sense, we tried to live this. Mm. We tried to do the best we could at being Christians and Catholic Christians and being open to life and then passing on the faith to you and Peter. We didn't do a very good job praying the rosary as a family. <laughs> I remember the battles we had with it, but we did the best we could. But there came a time to letting you go. And you and Peter were different people. Mm. We all, our kids are all different. You're an example of the fact that it was your own, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe we'll come back to that in a later point, but I think planting the seeds, I can't sit back and say, see, that's not the point of it. Your mother and I both recognize the mercy of God's grace mm -hmm. because at some point we had let you and Peter go. Yeah, no, I, th I think in my, my faith journey is reflective of a lot of this in the sense of, you know, I had the example of Christian parents who were Catholic, especially because you became Catholic in my lifetime. I, I was able to see that and observe that and, and observe that in, the, in our, the friends of the family and the, the people that we encountered in the network. I was able to see that and that impressed on me a lot. Now, I did come to my the time in my teenage years where I loved being Catholic, but underneath all that, I, I did have to go through a time where I questioned the existence of God. I liked all this stuff, but I needed to go deep below it and, and really kind of explore it for the first time on my own and ask the hard questions, the, the questions that I thought were hard. Turns out the Catholic Church has been thinking of these <laughs> for 2,000 years. So none of them are actually terribly hard for the church. But everyone has to go through that at, at some point and in their own way. But I think, again, my, my story is reflective of if you have those roots, if you have that example, uh, and then you also have the, then the freedom to, to ask the questions and to, and to explore it. But but. But you, you've had the example. You've seen it. And, of course, then having the prayer. Having the prayer that I'm sure, you know, was instrumental in well, helping those, those seeds take root. Yeah, maybe at this point I'll just share that very early on when I learned the rosary and tried to figure out how to pray it as a family, I came up with a personal prayer. I think I've shared that with you that I always add before each decade of the rosary, I really personalize it for the family. Mm -hmm. And so I have this set prayer that I use. And so, like, for example, I begin the first decade of the rosary praying it for my wife, Marilyn. And I'd say, I offer this for Marilyn. Lord, I know you love her. Thank you for your love. Help our love for one another. Bless her, guide her, forgive her sins, cleanse her from all unrighteousness. Um, fill her with the divine life. Guard her with her angels. Protect her from all evil. And then I say, you know, St. Mary Magdalene, pray for her. St. Margaret of Scotland, pray for her. And then for her, I asked Mother Angelica to pray for her. And then I'll, I'll say their decade. And then the second one is for you and your family. And I do the same prayer for you. The third one's for Peter. And then it's for Richard. And then it's for all the other things. But the point of that is praying for our children. Mm -hmm. And we say we do it. We say we do it. But do we? Mm -hmm. 
we become so busy. Right. You know, how many times if somebody said, will you pray for my Uncle Jim? I said, oh, yeah, I'll pray yeah, for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you never do, you know. <laughs> we say we do, but mm -hmm. do we? There, to all these things, yeah. the most important dedication we should make starting now for the rest of our life is every day offering our children before God. Yeah. That's maybe the most important thing to do. But there's one more thing. We're Christians. We're Catholic Christians. We've had kids. We've done everything we can to make sure they're Christians, Catholic Christians. We know we can't, but we keep them up in prayer and we let them go. We never quit loving them. Mm -hmm. We never quit asking Our Lady to pray for them. So number seven, what do we need to do to make sure our kids are Catholic? And that is we need to do everything we can to keep the church Catholic. Now, when I say that, I'm not being negative or pessimistic or feeling like it's my job, mm -hmm. except that I recognize it is partially my job. It's partially the job of every single Catholic, lay, priest, religious, bishop, pope, to recognize that we're in a spiritual battle mm. against an enemy, the devil, and his horde that would love to destroy the witness of the church. Now, we know that the gates of hell will never prevail against it, but that doesn't mean that it may look pretty nasty mm -hmm. in history because of us. Right. So we need to do everything we can to make sure that the church we leave for our children is better than we found it. <laughs> and that takes a lot of work and a lot of prayer. And just a couple things, quickly. I'm always reminded of when... King David had the opportunity when he was being persecuted by Saul that he came upon Saul sleeping out in the middle of the wilderness and David had a spear and David had the opportunity to kill Saul who was trying to get him. And he could have been totally justified in doing that. But what does scripture tell us that David did? Nothing. And David says, in fact, he's quoted six times, I think, saying this. He says, the Lord forbid that I should put forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. And the reason I bring that up is that there are a lot of Catholics today that are critical of our Holy Father. And we're not always happy with everything he seems to say, reported to have said. Maybe things he doesn't seem to say that we think we ought to say. And sure, we can have opinions. He's... He's not infallible in everything he says. That's not what the church believes. But even if we disagree with something, whether it's Pope Francis or Pope Benedict or Pope John Paul II or John the Twenty-third, mm -hmm. that they are a holy father. They're our pope. They're the head. They're the one God has called to lead our church. And so, therefore, we must not put forth our hand against God's anointed. Mm -hmm. We must honor him, pray for him. And so we, to do that's how we make sure the Catholic Church stays Catholic for our children, is honoring in obedience, in love, the leader that our Lord has given us. Yeah. Yeah, it comes down to, again, once again, being faithful in what God's given to us. I mean, anytime we're tempted to step out of the responsibility God's given us as a parent, husbands, as workers, as members of our parish, he's given us things to do. And he will work great things through us if we're faithful to those things. But anytime we, we get tempted away by, anytime we're, we're looking at the storm, you know, like Peter, and we're, we take our eyes off of Jesus and what he's calling us to do right now, which is to walk to him and to walk the path he's given us, even if it seems like it's good, important, or scary things that we need to take care of, 
if it's not what he's put in front of us, then we're not playing our part. The next point you have on here is the, the verse from the Psalms. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And we've reflected a lot on that. And as you said earlier when we were talking about this, what can the righteous do? Well, they need to be righteous. It's as Teresa of Avila said, like, if, if you are who God has called you to be, you will set the world on fire. But that means you have to be who God's called you to be. And if you're stepping out of that role to get caught up in politics, whether that's civil politics or church politics, there's a problem there. You know, he's put people in my life. Again, the point of this conversation, he's given me my children and my spouse primarily. And I have to put uh, my evangelization of them, my love of them first, you know, before I get caught up into other things. And so to the degree that we're faithful in those little things, he may give us prophetic roles to play. You know, but that has to be something that God calls us into. And so the first step is always for us to begin be fully evangelized, fully submitted Christians, and then to take care of those people that God's given us, and then beyond that to carefully, you know, listen to his calling for how we can help bring renewal to the church. I love that verse, which again is Psalm eleven, verse three. If the foundation are destroyed. You know, the devil would would love to make us think that the church is dead and done. Mm-hmm and make us look at things happening and assume that the foundations are destroyed. But the truth is, that decision about the foundations is for knives much sharper than me in the drawer, people with higher credentials than me. From my little perspective, I may have all kinds of negative views of the church, but I may be wrong. And uh, I forget which spiritual writer I was reading recently that talks about, maybe I think it was Newman, talking about the fact that where we're living, it may not look like there's any miracles happening. So I don't believe in the reality of miracles, but they may be happening over there. Mm -hmm. You know, the miracles may be happening somewhere else in the church because the Lord is working around the world. And sometimes we're going through a difficult time. So that's why, as you emphasize, our primary mission, our place is to grow in righteousness. Mm -hmm. That's it. And if you will, once again, in all seven of these steps, the key thing is trusting God, even trusting that he's guiding the church, Mm -hmm. that this is his church. He's established the hierarchy, and he will protect the church and make sure that she will continue to proclaim that what is infallible in faith and morals. Mm -hmm. And we can trust that. Mm -hmm. That ain't going to change tomorrow. That ain't going to change. So, you know, what can we do practically to make sure that we keep the church Catholic? We can be a faithful in our vocation, whatever it's called to be, whether it's a lay person or a religious or a priest, bishop, of course, be faithful to our calling, mm-hmm. to, to grow in holiness, pray for our church, uh, to model faithfulness for our children, mm-hmm. to not sit around the table at dinner and, and bad mouth everything that's mm-hmm. going in the church. You know that? Yeah, no. pray, pray for our priests and hierarchy, especially... If, those closest to us. You know, we have pastors in our diocese. You know, whatever diocese you happen to be in, we have priests who are discouraged. We have priests who feel the weight of the world on them and have many parishioners who complain about all sorts of things. We need to pray for them. We need to encourage them. There is one bishop that I can talk to, that I can reach out to, that I can be praying for, and that's my bishop. You know, he's my spiritual father. And so, again, we have people in our lives that we can pray for. And again, as to the previous point, we need to pray for them because the church needs fully converted men and women that God can raise up and bring renewal to the church. And so we pray for those people who are there. But then, of course, we can reverse this. How do we keep the church Catholic? Well, we keep our kids Catholic. You know, we make them. That's the future church. We give that. That's the future church right there. <laughs> exactly. So. Future priests, future nuns. Uh, future faithful parents and, and, and spouses. Exactly. That's one of the ways we keep the church Catholic. And now praying for Our Lady, 
for her intercession for our priests and, and for the leadership and for our children and for the church. Mm. All right, so in conclusion, it's possible that we may have made some of you uncomfortable because it's possible that there's somebody out there that kind of, if you listened to what we said, may have realized that as a Catholic parent, you aren't as good of a Christian as you ought to be, or that you don't know your Catholic faith very well, and you didn't know it very well. I mean, you didn't take time to read the catechism, or maybe the last time you studied the faith was when you were confirmed a few years ago. And maybe there were times in your marriage you weren't very open to life. And you look back, and, and here you are. And maybe, fourthly, you didn't make a big effort to talk to your kids about Jesus. Maybe somebody else closed the sale. And maybe you didn't do a very good job talking to them about the faith. You just took it for granted. You just figured they'd go through the hoops and they'd pick it up along the way. And maybe you let them go, but you didn't pray for them very much. You said you would, but you didn't. There's always something. And maybe when it comes to the church, maybe all you do is, do is badmouth her. You believe every report that's out there and just take it all to be true and as opposed to being cautious. And so you might be sitting there mad at spit at us and maybe wondering, well, my kids have all left the home. Is it my fault? Where I want to point your attention is the witness of the conversion stories on the Journey Home program in the Coming Home Network newsletter on our website. My point there is if you listen to the stories, which is the reason, as I said at the beginning, Mother Angelica won the Journey Home program, is because when you listen to those stories, you see that it is never too late. It's never too late. You know, John Mark, you mentioned your own self, mm -hmm. that even though your mother and I did what we could, when you went away to college, you had a rough time of it. Right. Um, but by God's mercy, you're here not just because your mother and I planted seeds, but because you have a faith of your own, your own right. conviction to the Catholic Church. Right. And so the best time to start, you know, working on that list is today. You know, today is the day that I say to Jesus, what do you want me to do? What, what you know, you tell me. I'm done, I'm done fighting it. What am I supposed to do with my life? And this is the day you begin to learn about your faith. And this is the day you begin to be open to life or begin to help contribute to the culture of life and push back against the culture that wants to devalue human life. And this is the day that wherever your kids are in their life, wherever you are in your parenting journey, that at very least you begin to pray for them. You know, because again, uh, as we've seen in so many different ways, God's grace is mysterious, His providence is mysterious. He can reach them. Uh, yeah, the best day to begin praying for them is today. Hey, I'm telling you, some of you guys out there, you're as old as me, you got kids as old as him, but maybe they are inactive in their faith. So someday when you have them at home with you, they finally come home and you got them alone, you're sitting there relaxing some evening with a glass of coffee or scotch or whatever it is. You say, can I talk to you about something that I should have talked to you a long time ago? I want to talk to you about Jesus. Sounds good. I get I get choked up because I know how much he's mean, meant in my life. And I want to make sure he means that much to you. That's why the Coming Home Network exists. Because I want to make sure now that we have a good faith in Christ, but that our kids do. And that they learn from us how to tell their kids about the importance of Christ in his church. So what are some practical steps we can do now? Well, like I just said, 
John Mark and I said, take time to witness to your children. You can start today. You can start praying from the day, as, as John Mark said. You can become involved in your church. But two last things that I think are important, and these involve a choice, an act of the will, not of your emotions, an act of the will, and they're scriptural. The first is choose by grace to rejoice in the Lord. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It is a choice. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That is an attitude we have to develop in the midst of a difficult time, in the midst of facing our failures as parents, as husbands and wives, as grandparents. We begin by choosing the joy that Christ desires to give us. And the second thing is parallel to that, is choose by grace to live in love. Choose by grace to live in love. It's not feeling. There may be lots of hurts that have developed over the years in your family that may be the very barriers that stand in the way of your kids coming to know our Lord Jesus Christ. Choose love. Choose to be a channel of God's love to your spouse and to your children and to your grandchildren. Because that may be the only way they learn the love of Christ is through you. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's the seven. So thank you for joining us for this, uh, this two-part series. If you made it all the way through, wow, good for you. My father, Marcus, founder and president of the Coming Home Network. I'm John Mark Grodi. The Coming Home Network, again, is a network of people who have come home to the fullness of the Catholic Church and are, are sharing that with others and helping them to do the same. And if you'd like more information of that, you can go to www.chnetwork.org. If you yourself are not Catholic and you're interested, you, you want to know more, you want people who will listen and answer your questions and walk with you on that journey, this is the place for you. And of course, if, if you have any interest in supporting our work, our ministry, again, www.chnetwork.org. Thank you and God bless. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.